question here's our special this morning means a lot. It's not the same United States 
that it once was. Uh, but this is the time that our country chooses to remember. That's what I want to speak on this morning for a little while, a time to remember. I was looking through, uh, you know, there's so many scriptures. I enjoy preaching uh, the Memorial Day message, and there's many scriptures that I've used for this. I, I found one in particular. I've never preached from this passage on this subject. And a time to remember. Uh, If you have your bulletin, you know where to head. Hebrews chapter 13. We'll begin reading in verse 1. We'll just read verses 1 through 3. And uh, I'd like for you to stand for the reading of God's holy word. Verse 1 is very short. Just four words. It says this. Let brotherly love continue. Be not forgetful to entertain strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. Remember them that are in bonds, as bound with them, and them which suffer adversity as being yourselves also in the body. Father, may we listen to your Holy Spirit this morning. May we be open, may our hearts be soft, that we would remember what your word has to say to us. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Thank you. Memorial Day is a time to remember, and and I remember visiting one time with uh, Brother Roger White, and uh, he was uh, recalling some of his... uh, times in the service I was asking he he served in the Pacific theater during World War II and and uh, I don't remember the exact boat that he was on but he was a machine gunner and I, I thanked him for our service to our country uh, I was uh, you know he talked about you know some of the times of combat that he uh, witnessed and I said I'm so glad that you are able to return brother Roger didn't miss a beat, and he said, but many didn't return and home. And uh, in just in that short, brief moment, it brings a reality to it that uh, many, of course, loved ones, family, friends, and different ones have given their life in service to our country. Memorial Day is that time to reflect and remember, and we're going to be looking at that word, remember, as we look in God's holy word, especially staying here in chapter 13, uh, it, you know, think about Jesus is the people who have given the ultimate sacrifice. Jesus is the greatest example of somebody. Think about it. He went, he left his home, didn't he? He, he went to serve in a place away from his home. And did he not, so to speak, die on the battlefield? He did. He gave his life on the battlefield. Who was he fighting? Well, he was fighting Satan. He was fighting sin. He, he conquered all that, by the way. He won. <laughs> Matter of fact, guess what? Because of God, because of God, the Bible says God raised Jesus from the dead. And so he literally, he had an opportunity to do something that you and I needed. He need, we needed a Savior, and he became our Savior. Did you know he fought the fight so you don't have to? 
He won the victories that you don't have to win it. It's already been won. People are fighting to get into heaven today. But folks, you don't have to fight to get into heaven because it's free admission. You can go there. The, the pri- admission price has been paid. It was costly, by the way. It cost Jesus Christ his life. We need to remember, of course, in looking at our text, those who have sacrificed. Remembering those who have sacrificed, especially just we can glean some things and learn some things from this passage. You know, verse 3 uh, excuse me, uh, chapter 13, verse 1, just that simple phrase, let brotherly love continue. It is the mark, right off the bat, by the way, Paul, I believe it's Paul who wrote the book of Hebrews, he's kind of summing up, uh, he's, he's finishing up this book. He's winding it down. He's talked about faith. He's talked about all you uh, Christians and the people who are on the fence concerning Old Testament worship. And you're thinking about Jesus. You're thinking about serving him. Don't let, just keep your eyes on Jesus. Keep your, and by, matter of fact, chapter 12 says, remember Jesus is the author and the finisher of our faith. And it says that he's doing all this for you and for me. So Paul's getting in a bunch of last minute stuff. Think about it. As he's finishing up his last minute stuff, he starts it off with this thought. Let brotherly love continue. Did you know brotherly love is the mark of all true Christians? It is the mark. The the Bible says, by this shall all men know that you're my disciples indeed, that you have love one toward another. And so love is our common denominator. Let, you know, it's kind of like in, you know, in math, uh, you find a, in fractions, especially you find a common denominator. It's something that they all have in common and something that all Christians, and I've met people who say they're Christians, people who claim to be Christians, but all true Christians have love as their common denominator. It is their mark. It is their characteristic. So we need to let brotherly love continue. Verse 2, it goes on to say, and this is kind of seems out of place. It says to be not forgetful to entertain strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. I remember one time a fellow said one time, you need to pick up all hitchhikers. I said, I'm not going to do it. <laughs> and I advise women, especially if they're by themselves, to never do that. And he, there might be angels walking down the road needing help. They're testing you. I said, well, you just keep picking them up. I said, I, when the Lord leads me to, I will. And I do from time to time. Karen doesn't like it. Most of the time I'm by myself. No, she's not with me. <laughs> and I'll, I'll see somebody and, you know, and some, some people just look like, you know, just, hey, they're just down on their luck and they're having a difficult time. And uh, on the way to Trey's graduation the other day, and we uh, stopped to help some people and uh, broke down on the side of the road, had a flat. And uh, but anyway, and so there's it's always good to help, you know. But the thing is, use common sense, of course, and the Lord will lead you. I believe he will. But ladies, leave that up to the guys. All right. OK, just leave it up to them. But uh, that's this uh, the smartest thing I can give you. So but it does basically if you sum up verse two. What does it mean? If you're saved, born again, be an encourager to others. Help other people out. Try to encourage. I mean, he's wrapping things up here. And folks, I think about our service people. They need encouraging. 
I mean, some of them, you think about our foreign missionaries, Brother Joel and them are in. Of course, they came in because Miss Anita's dad passed away. And I hope you continue to remember the Dillahunty family and uh, the Page family exactly uh, in your prayers. And, uh, and Brother Joel's been through some uh, hurdles this year and different things. And, and, we need, and he's serving in a foreign land. Our, our servicemen, they need encouraging because they're generally they'll be serving in a foreign land a lot of times. So, folks, whether people here or abroad, another common denominator and something we need to remember is we need to be encouragers to other people. And then we need to not forget in verse three. That those who have endured so much for our freedom, it says, matter of fact, here is where we find the word remember in verse three. We find the remember them that are in bonds and those who are in adversity. So if people are in bonds, if people are in adversity, we need to remember those. And it even mentions empathy. Here to put yourself in their place to to that you've experienced it yourself. You know what someone is going through. If they're in bonds, if they're in adversity, if they're going through something, we need to remember that. And matter of fact, that's one of the things we've got to remember in thinking about remembering those who have suffered One of my favorite pieces of history is a controversial letter to a Miss Lydia Bigsby. A Miss Lydia Bigsby is written by Abraham Lincoln, and they cannot find the original. It was published just shortly after this. And uh, matter of fact, this letter was made more famous recently. I believe it was in 1998. Whenever uh, we had a, a World War II movie that was very, very real, it was called Saving Private Ryan. The movie starts off with the reading of this letter. This is an actual letter, of course, back during the Civil War. It says, Dear Madam, or Dear Miss Bixby, I've been shown in the files of the War Department a statement of the adjunct General of Massachusetts, that you are the mother of five sons who have died gloriously on the field of battle. I feel how weak and fruitless must be any word of mine which should attempt to beguile you from the grief of a loss so overwhelming. But I cannot refrain from my from tendering you the consolation that may be found In the thanks of the republic, they died to save. I pray that our Heavenly Father may assuage the anguish of your bereavement and leave you only the cherished memory of the loved and lost and the solemn pride that you must, that must be yours to have laid so costly a sacrifice upon the altar of freedom. Yours very sincerely and respectfully, Abraham Lincoln. That's a very famous letter. There's also just another summation to that in John 15:13, which states this: "Greater love hath no man than this, than it's somebody lay down their life for their friends." Jesus called his disciples friends. 
And, you know, and we think about, and of course, the, that letter represents a fictional story about a, a woman who lost all of her sons, and that's who they were trying to save, the last one that was alive. Jesus was the ultimate example of just giving you, for greater love hath no man than this, than a man would lay down his life. For his friends. Many people say, well, I'll give my life for you. Look at, you know, matter of fact, did you know the Bible commands that all husbands should be willing to give their life for their spouse? That's what it says, that you ought to love your wife with that much love. Because Jesus is that representation that he laid down his life for the church. Greater love. There's no greater love than to say, I will lay down my life. I like the way of course it's uh, there's no paperwork trails one of the controversial things about the letter but i love the uh, the ending of it that she supposedly it says laid so costly a sacrifice on the altar of freedom folks jesus laid so costly a sacrifice on the altar of eternity the altar of eternity and that altar was in the shape of a cross. He laid his life down. Folks, when Jesus laid that life down, what was hanging in the balance? What was, the, what was, the, what was teetering on the fence? Eternity. Your eternity. That's what was hanging in the balance. Moving on, we need to remember the oldest institution. Matter of fact, back in, if you still have your Bible handy, in, uh, there in uh, chapter 13, verse 4 says this, Marriage is honorable in all, and the bed undefiled, but whoremongers and adulterers God will judge. You know, Paul here is kind of just, he's saying some last minute things, and he's saying, remember, marriage is good. Marriage is ordained of God. Matter of fact, you know, in thinking about marriage is undefiled and all, you know why? Because even in Paul's day, promiscuity was in the culture. And that just means that there's no marriage, there's this, there's that. People are, uh, uh, are having sex outside of marriage. There's all this stuff going on. And even today, our institution, the very bedrock of the family, is being under attack. That marriage is, is a holy thing. It says, and it says, is, is honorable. God ordained marriage. It says this in Genesis chapter 2, uh, verse 23. Adam said, you know, he's talking about Eve. Hey, hey, he gave me a wife. You know, they were kind of like engaged right there. For the short time when God took that bone and made Eve before God brought them together. I mean, he's looking at her. She's looking at him. And they're both saying wow to each other. And they said, wow, this is awesome. Very first man and woman ever. Then guess what God does? God establishes an order and an appropriateness. He did. He established an order and an appropriateness. And it says that she shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. And then, of course, the very famous marriage ceremony, which this is brief. And by the way, probably the first marriage ceremony didn't cost anything. Well, if it, if it cost anything, God picked up the bill. Okay. And it says, therefore, shall a man leave his father and mother and shall cleave unto his wife and they shall be one flesh. 
We need to remember the next thing, uh, that God keeps his promises. This is one of the most powerful things in God's word, that God keeps his promises today. The very next couple of verses here, still in Hebrews chapter 13, it says, Let your conversation, that means your manner of life, be without covetousness, and be content with such things as you have. For he said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee, so that we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper. I will not fear what man shall do unto me. Folks, God promises in His... That's a wonderful passage. And you ought to underline it. You ought to highlight it. You ought to remember it. What is that promise? That God would never leave us nor forsake us. You can apply this to a lot of things. You can apply this, of course, to the security of the believer. That he would never leave you nor forsake you. You Once saved, always saved. Do we ever not live right? There's lots of times that we don't live like we should. There's lots of times we don't do what we ought to do. But guess what? God will never leave us nor forsake us. He's always our Heavenly Father. It teaches us that He'll not only be with us, but that we should be content. That folks, that if we're content... What are you counting on? His promise to take care of you. Think about it. It says there to be content. So if you're content, it means God's going to provide. God's going to provide. He's going to take care of me. So folks, we, He keeps us secure. I love the passage in speaking of the word remember in Genesis chapter 8 and verse 1. He remembered Noah. Matter of fact, it says that in your Bible. And God remembered Noah. This is after the flood. They're, they're floating in the ark. Oh, by the way, did you know they were in that boat over a year? A lot of people say, well, it rained 40 days and 40 nights. Didn't they get out? No, it took a while for the water to evaporate. And they were in there just a little while, of course, before it started raining. You had all those days up and he was in there over a year. He and his family. So the Bible, it says God, he didn't leave him hanging. God's not going to leave you in a, in a place. You're going through a storm in your life. He's going to remember you. Did Noah go through a storm? You, you better believe it. Probably the worst thunderstorm anybody's ever seen. God remembered Noah and every living thing and all the cattle that was with him in the ark. And God made a wind to pass over the earth and the waters were assuaged. All right, that's the second time we've had that word assuaged. All right, now listen, what's really cool, and I'm just trying to fly through this real quick, is that God, God's about keeping his word. Did you know God has never made a promise he won't keep or that he hadn't kept? What is the most amazing promise about Noah that he made a promise to him? And of course, is the rainbow. God made a promise. He said, I'll put my bow in the sky and that will be a promise of what? That he would never. I remember the first time I heard that and then thinking, well, hey, there was a flood over there. But what it was was a promise of a worldwide flood. He's never going to destroy the earth by a worldwide flood. There's still local floods all over the place. OK, and a lot, that's a matter of fact, that's a uh, kind of a in the face argument against people who believe that uh that Noah's flood was a local flood. And, well, there's still local floods, so if you believe the Bible, well, it wasn't a local flood. It was a worldwide flood. There were only eight people left alive. 
knowing his family. We need to remember the next thing we need to remember, of course, right out of Hebrews 13 is the preachers and the prophets. Of course, the prophets were in the Old Testament day, the New Testament day. We have preachers. The word of God states here in verse seven, remember them which have the rule over you who have spoken unto you the word of God. And the word rule just means the leadership and who have spoken unto you the word of God, whose faith follow, considering the end of their conversation. That means, again, manner of living, their manner of life. So to to how can you show the Lord that you love him? Matter of fact, did you know, and you can remember them in prayer, and remember Jesus Christ is the ultimate example of this, that he led his people, he asked them to follow him, he said, come follow me, come follow me. And then he taught them, and he said, listen, you need to be on guard. And then, of course, verse 9, be not carried about with divers, that means different, strange doctrines, for it is a good thing that the heart be established with grace, not with meats, and have not, which have not profited them, which have been occupied therein to remember the preachers our brothers and think about our missionaries brother glenn knight all our missionary brother joel dillahoney brother Ravel albino all the missionaries matter of fact i thought about this the other day we were uh talking about our homecoming think about this think about this how many you know we're supposed to celebrate and really it's this year that we celebrate 150 years that promised land has been here how many businesses have come and gone in Hamburg in 150 years? There's been car dealerships, restaurants, all sorts of businesses have come and gone. But what's still here? The preaching of the Word of God, the church promised land is still here. Still in operation. Still going strong. You know why? You know why? You say, well, because it's the truth. But folks, lots of churches have dissolved since then. Lots of churches were started since then and dissolved since then. Did you know that? Inside that 150-year window, churches have begun. And those same churches have ended. I think one of the reasons that Promised Land remains strong, yes, our mission outreach. But folks, more importantly and overall, is how... Does promised land view, appreciate preachers of the word of God, pastors of the word of God, and missionaries all over the world? How, folks, how, uh, and it's reflected in the Bible, it's reflected in the Bible, how people treat pastors and missionaries is a direct reflection of their spiritual condition. Is a direct reflection of their spiritual condition. And so we remember what they taught. They teach the word of God. Those who teach the word of God. Remember the cross. The next thing to remember the cross. And folks, it's all about Jesus. It's hanging on a cross. But folks, he's not there anymore. Folks, all of this is about Jesus. Thank the Lord for people serving in the country. Thank the Lord for people serving in the military. Thank the Lord for people sacrificing your work behind the scenes. But folks, it's about an empty cross today. It's about a risen Savior. Because as he says, we have an altar whereof they have no right to eat, 
which served the tabernacle. Did you know there were people in Paul's day that said, I don't want Jesus. I want the Old Testament form of worship. I want the high priest. I want the uh, animals. I want them on the altar. I want to go back to the Holy of Holies. But Jesus, when He said it is finished, that curtain in the Holy of Holies ripped down the middle. That was to be no more because Jesus is our high priest now. He's our intercessor. Did you know the Word of God says, for there's one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. He's the only go-between we have. He's also the only hope we have today. It says, for the bodies of those beasts whose blood is brought into the sanctuary by the high priest for sin are burned without the camp. Wherefore, Jesus that He might sanctify the people with His own blood, suffered, it says without the gate, that means outside the gate. He was drug up there on Golgotha's hill. A place Luke 23 calls Calvary. And there was one final sacrifice that God required. The Bible said, or says, cursed is everybody that hangs on the tree. Did you know He was cursed, but for me and for you? He suffered and bled and died. But folks, our altar is a cross. We haven't, there's an empty cross and we serve a risen Savior. There's two final things that we need to remember. And we need to remember we have a home in heaven. We have a home in heaven. Our text verse says this. Hebrews thirteen fourteen says, For we have no continuing city. Means, did you know one day Hamburg will be no more? Did you know Dallas, Texas one day, even though it's home of the Dallas Cowboys, will one day be no more? <laughs> Did you know one day there will be no United States anymore? There will used to not be one. And one day there's not going to be one. But did you know according to this verse right here, we're going to have a continuing city. That means you're going to live in a city. You have a home in heaven. There's a famous passage where Jesus, speaking of an encourager, did y'all know Jesus was an encourager? Right after all the disciples found out some bad news about one of those betrayers, one of those church members that was a betrayer, He was trying to cheer them up. And so the betrayal happened, or the, or the prophecy concerning it was John 13. He says, one of you is going to betray me. And then they was all upset. They was all upset and they had tears in their eyes. Who's it going to be? Who's it going to be? And all this, they're trying to figure it out. In John 14, he said, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many log cabins. (laughs) No, it's going to be better than that. (laughs) It's going to be better than that. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. He said, I go to repair a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again 
and receive you unto myself that where I am there you may be also. Folks, that's good news. We have a home in heaven. Folks, if there's anything you need to remember on this Memorial Day, remember Jesus is Lord. And if you know Him as your Savior, you have a home in heaven. Many of our soldiers are there already. And in our text, the last thing we need to remember is verse 15 and 16. By Him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. What is the sacrifice? What could you lay on the altar? This is an imaginary. As a matter of fact, this altar is in your heart. The fruit of your lips giving thanks to His name. How many of you offer a sacrifice of praise to others? How many of you with your own lips tell people about Jesus? How many of us tell we, we encourage other people, we lift other people up, we point people to Jesus with the sacrifice of our lips? But it says in verse 16, but to do good and to communicate, forget not, for with such sacrifices, what? God is well pleased. What sacrifices? The giving of thanks to the Lord. Telling other people. About Him. Would you tell others. About Jesus. Lift other people up. As we prepare for a hymn of invitation. Whatever may be on your heart this morning. Would you. Bow with me for a word of prayer. Father. Dear Lord, help us. In Your Word, it tells that You remember. You remember so many things. You remember Noah. You remember so many people. You remembered Jonah. Folks, help us to remember and never forget what You've done for us. Your Word tells us to remember. To remember what You want us to do. To remember to lift others up. To remember to show others love. Help us to be loving and encouraging and point people to Jesus. In His name we pray. Amen.